I have been waiting for this day for three months. On October 9th, we had two gentlemen with us who are known far and wide for their biblical perspicacity. They put the city in perspicacity. They put the gel and angelic, the apt in rapture. I'm talking, of course, about the two Michaels, Dr. Michael Rodelnik, Dr. Michael Van Lanningham, are in the house or are close to being in the house, and we are ready for your questions and your comments. Here's the number, 877-548-3675. Call early, call often. I have a whole lot of questions for them, but I want to give you the opportunity after three months have a little chat with the Michaels, 877-548-3675. This is Chris Fabry Live online, chrisfabrylive.org. Thanks to our team working hard behind the scenes. Ryan McConaughey doing all things technical. Tricia is our producer in the chair today. Pappy will be answering your calls. Now here they are, those boys of the Bible, the men of Moody. They put the lamb in calamity, the bat in sabbatical. They put the air in January. Host of Open Line and Vice President of Academic Dean of Moody Bible Institute, Dr. Michael Radelnik, and Adjunct Professor of Bible at Moody and former Pastor of Biblical Research at Harvest Bible Chapter, Dr. Michael Van Lanningham, ladies and gentlemen, the two Michaels. <laughs> Look hey. at that. It's a wonderful thing. Now, yeah. it's the only, only the one Michael right now because the, the other one's coming. <laughs> Hey, Chris, I got to say, I just wanted to say, whenever my perspicacity flares up, I just put a little calamine lotion on it, and that calms it down really well. So. I thought they probably make some lotion for that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah We've do. got the live studio audience here today, so that's uh, that, that's what we're going to be talking about. Uh, yeah. And I do mean it. So the lines are open right now. You can call, talk with two Michaels when the other one gets here. Uh, we had a phone call the other day. I wonder if you would answer this, Michael. Uh, if, and he said, I've, I've never read the Bible before, or maybe he was asking for somebody else, but if you'd never read the Bible before, you want to know what book should I start with? What would you suggest? Yeah, I think a real common answer to that. And I agree with it. It actually is the gospel of John where you have so much of an emphasis on the life of Jesus, but also the book was written to engender faith in the Hmm. people who read it. And so I think it's a great place to start. Just so much good stuff there. Do you like the Bible reading plans that are like the, you know, Bible in a year, Bible in six months, Bible in three months, Bible in two weeks? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. I haven't done the Bible in two weeks yet, but so uh, um, I do like them, actually. I think anything that sort of helps us get to be semi-regular in being in the Word and just sort of reading systematically through entire Old Testament and New Testament books, I think that's really helpful. Yeah. Do you—I'm not big on resolutions. How about you? Um, my one resolution this year was not to make any resolutions. So yeah. <laughs> I, I don't—I <clears throat> learned a long time ago that the resolutions that I tend to make are uh, almost always beyond my grasp, and so I don't— I just don't do that anymore. I, I really don't. I just try to live, you know, sort of uh, like a friend of mine used to say, I just try to live with routine faithfulness all the time. That's good. I like that. Uh, and and if you make resolutions, that's okay. You can still get in and ask a question here today of the two Michaels. And the two Michaels are now here. Dr. Radelnik, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? <laughs> It's better since I'm hearing you because three months ago was the last time that we <laughs> talked together and then we haven't talked. We re-aired on Christmas Day, the two Michaels. That's that right. Was so it was much an old, fun. An old oh. broadcast. What a, what a best of program, yeah. as Trish calls it. There we go. Yeah. 
That's it. It was really, really fun to put together because yeah. it was so it was so good. But but I have to have you say something here at the beginning. Where have you been? What have you done? What are your journeys? Well, I, I went to Hawaii. I was laying out yeah, on a beach right. in Maui. That's, <laughs> uh, I had to have some surgery, and uh, which was serious, but uh, not. I didn't expect anything bad. But then I had some post-operative complications, and uh, took some extra time off to recover. And thank God, I feel fine. I'm back. Uh, I was back on Open Line on Saturday. I was back on local programs this morning. Uh, back here at Moody this week, getting ready for the next semester. Yeah, I'm I'm doing fine. Thank God. How did it feel to be on on Saturday on Open Line? Well, for the first few minutes, I was nervous. Am I going to be able to know how to answer Bible questions? <laughs> but th- then, as soon as I started asking, I thought, oh, Yeah, I can do this. Yeah. So. <laughs> But I'm, well, I'm doing okay. A number of people sat in for you, and I was one of them with Dr. Bill Thrasher for right. one week, and then Cisco and this other well, you Mike. Know, I actually, I, I knew Cisco and Mike did. Cisco Cotto, who's yeah. uh, a faculty member and also a, uh, a morning anchor, a news anchor on a local, uh, the big news station here in Chicago. But uh, he was a pastor, and I, I at one time was his pastor. Uh, when I was the interim pastor at Calvary Memorial Church. And uh, he teaches applied theology, and he and Mike did that together, Mike V. And uh, they were terrific. And Mike Fabars sat in a couple of weeks, yes. and he was terrific. Right. And you were, you were there too, Chris. Uh, no. <laughs> you were okay. <laughs> yeah, you were okay. No, no, you and Bill Thrasher did a wonderful time talking about his book about prayer, which, you know, right. uh, he's just a wonderful uh, person and I, I, I think no one in the world more committed to prayer than Bill Thrasher and I, I just love him and I loved it that you were willing to sit in for me. So thank you. Well, it was a joy, and uh, I think it was on that Saturday that we kind of told folks th- about the surgery and yeah. about that you're going to take some time off. And then a f- couple of weeks later, I saw, oh, he's going to be at Moody Church, and he's going to be talking. About- and so it's like we try to keep you you know, sedated and on the couch, and you just wouldn't sit still. Well, it was a few weeks afterwards, and I didn't want to, but there was a Stand with Israel um, yes. uh, event at Moody Church. Um, hmm. And they had asked, not Moody Church, but Chosen People Ministries that was doing it with Moody Church, they asked if I would speak, and I said, I don't know if I'll be able to. They said, how will you know? And I said, well, if I can put on a pair of pants with a belt uh, <laughs> instead of sweatpants, I would be uh. able to speak. And uh, that uh, that was, uh, I think, a Thursday night, and the day before is when I put on a belt for the first time. So I hmm. thought, okay, really? I can do this. So. Well, you know, a lot of people are praying for you, and it, you make—you didn't make a whole big deal of it on the air, but you wanted people to know that you know you were you were going through something. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I'm sure and, glad and, that you're and here. And let, let me just say, you and and Mike and Cisco and Mike Fabares all helped out, but the open line listeners—they sent me cards, they sent they me really? letters, they <laughs> sent me mm. emails, they sent—they uh, posted things on Facebook. They were so unbelievably kind and gracious and loving and also praying for me so faithfully. And I just appreciated it so much. And they were kind of praying blind. They knew I I had some issues going, but they didn't know what was going on. And they were really gracious. And so if you're a listener and you are one of those folks, I just want to say thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Does prayer work? Did prayer work, quote unquote, for you? Well, I'm, I'm alive, which... Uh, frankly, I almost wasn't. So 
by God's grace, I think that was prayer that helped. Uh, now, did God know that I would be alive? Yes, but he also uh, ordained, I believe, all those people to pray so that the answers to prayer were there. Uh, you know, uh, it's, it's, really, it's really something when, when, you, when you feel, oh, wow, I was just on the edge there. I could have died. And mm. uh, Now, let's be blunt. I once said to, to a friend recently, I said, oh, boy, I'm so glad I'm alive. And he said, I'd be happy or dead. And, and the truth of it is, I would be. You know, I'd be in the presence of the Lord but I am. I do believe. Uh, I have a friend, a uh, pastor, who wrote me a, a reminder. He said, uh, "Warren Wiersbe said, we're all immortal until our work is done.'" Mm. And uh, so I really do believe people prayed, and and my work isn't done yet. So that's why I'm really glad yeah. to be alive. And God has ordained prayer, Mike V. God has ordered, he's told us to do this, even though we don't understand exactly everything and how it works, right? Right. He, you know, God's sovereign. He knows the beginning from the end. He's, in a very real sense, he stands behind all things that happen, everything, everything. And so people say, well, why should we bother to pray? But God ordains not only what will happen, but how it will come about. And in a way that we is, are going to find mysterious, he ordains to use prayer in the execution of his sovereign will and bringing it all about. He somehow uses our prayer in that process. And so uh, we're to do it and we're commanded to do it. And if we never quite figure out how it all laces up together, that's okay. I had a professor at seminary, uh, Norman Geisler, who quoted someone famous, and I don't remember who it was, so I'm sorry, but he quoted someone that said, uh, prayer is the tender nerve that moves the muscles of omnipotence. Mm. And I, I like that. Uh, and how God ordained that to happen, that's, that's the part that amazes me, that he knows what we should pray and ordained that we would pray that and then makes it happen. Yeah. Well, you mentioned Dr. Thrasher. We have his book as our thank you this month, How to Resurrect a Dead Prayer Life, Transforming Your Prayers into a Spirit-Empowered Life-Giving Adventure. Go to the website, chrisfabrylive.org. Scroll down, you'll see how you can be a participant right there with us and get a copy of this book. Go to chrisfabrylive.org. It has been three months since the two Michaels have been on with us live. So I'm, I got a bunch of questions that I have, but I will get out of the way. Wait, Chris, I I listened to one of your Christmas best of programs with the two Michaels. So even though we weren't here, we were there in December. (laughs) In spirit. And I'm telling you, I didn't remember any of that program. I didn't either. <laughs> and it, it was so fun to listen to. I loved it. And there was laughter. You yes. could just tell throughout the whole thing how much we like each other, and I didn't even know he liked each other. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, it was just so fun, and, and Mike and I were laughing, and you were uh, egging us on, and yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was That's great. That's my job. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. was great. Well, I'm going to get out of the way and let you talk with a number of our listeners. Here's the number, 877-548-3675. Marty is in Illinois. Hi, Marty. You're on with the two Michaels. Oh, I am so thrilled to be on with the two Michaels. I listen to you guys all the time. 
And I have a question because we have a Bible study. In Leviticus 27, there are regulations about uh, making a special vow. And you dedicate someone to the Lord by paying the value of that person, or you can use animals. And they can even be unclean animals, which we thought were was crazy. And you can also use land and property, as you know. What is a special vow for? I mean, is it just a way to make an extra monetary offering? Or I just don't understand the whole idea. Well, do you know what a vow is? I know what a vow is, yes. But... Um, uh, well, but that's... There, are, you know, there are sacrifices to make. There, you know, there are all kinds. Of, we just finished Leviticus, and we got in here. Mm-hmm. Well, but the special vow that's priced with different things. Well, well, you know about uh, like a, a Nazarite vow, right? Yes. Okay, so uh, the, the Nazarite vow—that's number six. Uh, that's a vow, a special vow, the vow of the Nazarite to dedicate himself to the Lord. He abstains from wine and strong drink. He shall drink no vinegar. So there, that's a specified dedicatory vow, and there are offerings tied to it uh, that seem to say that under the law of Moses, living in Israel during the days of the tabernacle and the temple, uh, what would happen is at the completion of his vow, that we think of Nazarites being Nazarites for their whole lives, but they might take a period of time when they are going to fulfill this vow, and then at the end of it, you can see it in the book of Acts, that's when Paul pays to have people have their hair cut uh, because they are, yes. no, they are done with their vow, and they go to the temple. And So what it is, is it does appear that uh, people can make special vows uh, to the Lord, dedicating something or someone uh, and he then, to show the sincerity of his vow, uh, he he will uh, he will give an offering as part of it. That's uh, the seriousness right. of it. That that that's well, about. So we were thinking. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. So so that, no, that's that's all it is. Uh, I don't. I don't think it's anything other than that. So. So it's a promise, well, and you back it up with a, a tangible thing that you offer. Yeah, right? it's a commitment, is what it is. Okay. Right, but yeah. suppose you like if you make the vow uh, with uh, your teenage son, uh, and and you're dedicating him as part of the vow. Okay, if you don't keep the vow, does the boy go into service to the temple, or do you just? Pay the amount, or you just pay it. You know, uh, it's. Oh, okay. Uh, it's. I, I don't think you lose your kids over this one. <laughs> oh, uh, wait yeah. a minute. Who is the? Oh, wait, who is although, the fellow? Although who... I've had teenagers and wouldn't mind sometimes. When <laughs> who is I... the fellow who came back from war or and said the first thing out of my house I'm going to offer? Oh, that was uh, in Numbers in Judges. In Judges. Uh, Jephthah. Judges. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, yes. But yeah, and his daughter walks out. Yeah, so the, then, yeah. I, I, I don't think he he gave his daughter. He, I don't think he sacrificed as a, as a. He, I didn't put her to death. I know that because yeah. I've read fifty most important Bible questions. Exactly, and that was in there. Exactly, I know exactly. What he did yeah. is he dedicated her to the temple. So, oh. so that Marty, is an example of that kind of, yes. of vow. Marty, does that help? Yeah, she never. 
She, it does. It does. I just, we just wondered what the consequences were if the vow wasn't held and it was made on a person. I mean, an animal, yes. You mm-hmm. sacrifice the animal, but then the, the, the possibility of using an unclean animal, like a donkey or a camel or a horse, I was like, this, this just doesn't... Well, this isn't making any sense. It, it wasn't so. like he was going to sacrifice the donkey. That's uh, you. A donkey was of uh, something of value that they owned, uh, and that you might have to give it up to someone else or some other thing for uh, for service. So, uh, I th- I think uh, let me just put it simpler for you. Okay, aren't you glad that that's not what we're doing now? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that's that's but the thing is we can dedicate ourselves and we, in fact we are called to dedicate ourselves today uh Romans chapter 12 uh basically says that we are to uh, uh present ourselves as living sacrifices right and yeah. dedicate ourselves and then of course when you think about it uh, you know the old joke about What's the problem with living sacrifices? They crawl off the altar. Keep crawling off the altar, exactly. So we have, that's a daily event that we have to have in our lives where we dedicate ourselves. And uh, we don't have to worry really about uh, paying a votive offering uh, as we did in the book of Leviticus. Marty, I'm glad you got through today. Michael, anything to add to that? Mike V, you good? I'm, I'm still trying to find the book of Leviticus. So, <laughs> no, this is, this is good. Yeah, this is fine. Okay. Uh, Margaret asks, I don't think we've ever had this question. Are there maps in heaven? Are, there, are we going to need a map as to where, you know, I've, I've never been to Israel and I've been, uh, you know, asking you guys to take me. Uh, are there, are we going <laughs> to, are we going to need a map in heaven? Will we just know where things are? What do you think? I, I think we're going to have iPhones with Google maps. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. I can tell. I can tell we're not going to get a straight answer from... Uh, well, from, how, uh, how do we know what it's going to be like in, in heaven? I think uh, if we were to know, then where would the excitement be? Yeah. So uh, so there's a question we're, we're going to leave for some other time. Yeah, Margaret, thank you. Someone asked me, how was it that the Lord Jesus, or not the Lord Jesus, but that Peter and John knew that the Lord Jesus was talking with Moses and mm-hmm. Elijah, and how will we know each other in heaven? And the answer is clearly name tags. I mean, that's... (laughs) (laughs) Hello, my name is... (laughs) Okay, let's go to Mississippi and talk with Charlene. Hi, Charlene. You're on with the two Michaels. Hello. Thank you. My question is concerning John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I understand the word refers to the Son of God, Jesus. Uh, God is the Father. What is the correct interpretation of the word was God? I have friends who interpret it as Jesus was a lesser being. He was a God. Please tell me your interpretation of that phrase. Yeah, let me start with that one. Um, the, the, oh, and Charlene, maybe you should turn down your radio because I, we can hear each other in it sort of. I, I think... Um, when it says the word was God, um, it does. It should not be translated that the word was a God, as if Jesus is some sort of an inferior being. Um, the other places where you have God used in John chapter 1 without the article before it, 
it's always clearly in reference to the divine father and here it's in reference to the word himself being fully divine and so maybe a way to paraphrase this would be to say um that the word that everything god was the word was in terms of possessing all um all the aspects and characteristics and nature of divinity and so uh jesus is an eternal being uh, he was not created by God the Father. He's always been eternally existing, and everything that God is in terms of God's characteristics and attributes uh, can be can be said of Jesus as well. So, Mike, I need I need Greek help here because you've taught Greek, but um, there are words. Let's see if I can remember the term that are anarthrous. I think it is meaning right. without an article, but still definite in and of themselves. Right, and so uh, isn't the word theos, which is God, when it says the word was God, even though it doesn't have the article there, it doesn't mean he was a god of many, but rather that he was the actual God, isn't that? Uh, well, um, I mean, the fact that theos is is does not have the article. Again, I'm it, people will will say, well, that's indefinite. Then that mm -hmm. Jesus is something other than uh, mm -hmm. fully divine, as God the Father is fully divine. And I think oh, that's not that's just not the case. I mean, you've got other places where you don't you have theos in John one, but it doesn't have the article. But clearly, it refers to the divine being in one six. Mm -hmm. There came a man sent from not a God, mm -hmm. but from God. Yeah. Um, and in verse 12, as many to them, he gave the right to become the children of not a God, but God. Mm -hmm. And so and so you can't you can't really do that. Um, yeah, well, that's, that's what I'm saying. Or the, the Trinity. Right. The, the word is definite in and of itself. It doesn't it doesn't ha need an article to make it definite. Right. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there's much more to say about this. Yeah. But but then we start to get into to some theological deep weeds really fast yeah, yeah. so I, I once had people uh, from this this sort of uh, Bible teaching group come to my door and they they wanted to talk with me and you know a lot of people say don't let them in your house but I, I said oh great this is the most important topic in the world to me come on in and uh, I said to them uh, can you just answer one question for me and they were like yeah I said, could you tell me how I can know for sure my sins are forgiven? And then he immediately began to talk about works and doing the things that, and I, I kept saying, well, can we get your special Bible translation out? <laughs> and we read Ephesians 2, 8, 9, which is translated right about by grace through faith, not of works. Uh, they use the word kindness, I believe, for grace, but still they got it right. And uh, I said, well, this seems to say that I don't have to be good. It means that I have to believe and then they start saying, well, and hamana, hamana, you know, and, and, and then they said, well, in the Greek. I said, oh, great. Let me go get my Greek text. <laughs> and then they said, we have to leave. <laughs> but the, the reason I, I say this is I wasn't afraid of them and, and they weren't, they wanted to get out. But the next day, the, the, the less uh, involved person though the sort of the 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 trained the person in training instead of the trainer because there were two of them and one was more mature obviously in this teaching the one that was less mature she came to my door the next day alone and said i wanted to hear more of what you were saying wow. 
but I, I couldn't yesterday. And I got to explain the good news to her. So hmm. I, I think we need to keep loving people who may differ with us about this thing because you never know when God's going to touch our heart. Charlene, I'm glad you got through. Here's a, from the internet. Aren't you glad for the internet? Get some on the says, I'm in Rome right now. Tour guides in the Vatican say Peter was arrested here. What do the two Michaels say about Peter in Rome? One of the tour guides, a faithful Catholic and archaeologist, the PhD of the Colosseum tour, says when I asked her, no, she does not believe Peter's bones are at St. Peter's Church, as I suspected she'd say. But she does believe Peter walked the streets of the Forum and was arrested at the uh, Mamertine prison. What do you two say about that? Uh, could be. You know, it's it's church tradition that he uh, died, was executed in Rome. Um, but that is extra biblical. And I don't I have to confess, I don't know how strong that tradition actually is. Okay. I think it's a very good tradition. Uh, I'm saying that on the basis of my friend Brian Lipman, who taught church history at, at Moody for a long time. Uh, and when I went to Rome, he, he has a really great book. Uh, published by Moody Publishers called After Acts, hmm. where he goes over a lot of these post-biblical traditions. It's a really good book. But I, the the thing is that it doesn't mean that he was the Pope. It just means that he was in Rome. And I think that's the distinction. He was not the first Pope. First Pope wasn't until about the 7th century. So, But nevertheless, he was there. Uh, the two Michaels are back, friends. You can tell. You can tell the excitement's in the air. Here's the number, 877-548-3675. Oh, it's so much fun to talk to Michaels. Back to your calls in just a moment. There are women and men who are living with deep regret about a decision made months ago, years ago, decades ago. That's why CareNet started their ARC ministry, A-R-C. It stands for Abortion, Recover, and Care. And wouldn't you know, the director of that program, Jill Marquise, has traveled that road of regret herself, and she has used her own struggle to help others. Maybe that person is you. I know we've done programs here, and in January, it used to be January 22, every year there would be this cloud hanging over because of Roe v. Wade. And this would trigger a lot of the memories. If you are going through that, click the green CareNet button at chrisfabrylive.org. It'll take you to the CareNet site and then click Abortion Recovery and Care. And you can start your healing journey right there. Or maybe somebody you know is struggling with the lingering emotional pain of abortion. This might be life-giving to that person. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Somebody you know needs the ministry of CareNet. Click the green CareNet button at chrisfabrylive.org. All right, back to your calls. Robin is somewhere in the contiguous United States. Hi, Robin. Go right ahead. Hi, Chris and Michael. Thanks for having me on. My question, I've been a Christian for more than 50 years. But and, and I love Jesus as my rock, my redeemer, my savior, my, my Messiah. But in the last couple of years, I've started to really struggle with the concept of the Trinity. And um, naysayers say, well, that's 
third century Christians the answer to polygods of the pagans, and um, Jesus never said he was God. So uh, I, my question is, did the Old Testament say that Jesus, uh, the Messiah, would be God? Um, like, how do, we, how, how do we know that Jesus is God and not, certainly not a human being, but, but more than our Messiah? So there's a lot of um, questions in there, Rob. Yeah, there, there let's were. Let's start there with were... Michael explaining the Trinity because that's the easiest thing. <laughs> yeah, um, you know there are inferential things in Scripture. Uh, the word Trinity, first of all, is never used in Scripture, but I think it's a reasonable and justified inference that our uh, that our God is triune. In in uh, Matthew chapter 28, you know there. Um, Jesus is talking about baptizing, having his disciples baptize in the name, singular, of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. In the book of Acts, chapter 5, um, the Ananias and Sapphira lie to the Holy Spirit and to God, because the Holy Spirit is God, uh, in, in verse 5. At the end of 2 Corinthians, there's a blessing as it relates to um all the members of the Godhead, the three members of the Godhead, are mentioned as blessings coming from all of them. And it seems to me that that when you start talking about the, the attributes of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, those attributes overlap between the three. And so that you've got every reason to think that um, our, our divine God is eternally existing in three persons. Um, now, what were some of the other questions? I'm going to, uh, well, Michael can mm -hmm. jump on top of what I just said, but also there's uh, the other things he can start with those two, and I can jump in in a bit. Yeah, well, uh, in on chapter or question 44 in the 50 most important Bible questions, the question was, can you give a simple explanation of the Trinity? And my answer is, I wish I could. There is no simple explanation. But what we're dealing with is what the Bible reveals. What does the Bible actually show? And uh, I think that's that's what Michael was mentioning, that there's really clearly statements about each person of the Godhead uh, being God and that God is just one. There's only one God, uh, the only wise God. And yet there's he's got three persons. That's how it was expressed in early church history, uh, but the three in one. Now, you asked... Was the Messiah intended to be God? Yeah, in Isaiah 9, 6, for, for unto us a son is born, unto us a child is given, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Father of Eternity, Prince of Peace. Yeah, the, the promise of the Messiah is that he would be God. And not only that, and here's one of my favorite verses. I don't think we can have a fully articulated trinity or triunity of God in the Old Testament, but there are hints towards it, uh, even in the Old Testament. And one of my favorites is in Isaiah 48, where it talks about God not speaking in secret. Isaiah 48. Now, the context in Isaiah 48 is begins with verse 12. Listen to me, God says, I am he, I am the first, I am also the last. Then he goes on and says, I am the creator of the whole earth. This is God speaking. And then he says in verse 16, Come near to me, listen to this, from the beginning, I've not spoken in secret. From the time it took place, I was there. This is the eternal one speaking, right? Uh, 
And now it says, and now the Lord God has sent me and his spirit. Wait a minute. I thought God was speaking. And yet then it says, and Lord, the Lord God has sent me and God has sent his spirit. So right there, you've got a really interesting, mysterious statement about God saying that God sent him and God sent his spirit as well. So uh, that's, that to me shows some of the hints in the Old Testament pointing to what we're talking about. What, one more hint, too. Just, Michael, you got to correct me if I don't have this right. But it's very interesting in, in um, Deuteronomy 6, in the Shema, mm-hmm. uh, Hero Israel, the Lord thy God, the Lord is Echad, means mm-hmm. one. But the same word Echad is used in Genesis 2.24, where the two shall become um, Echad Bashar, one flesh. Well, the oneness in Genesis 2.24 is a complex oneness. It's mm-hmm. it's a it's a unified complexity of man and woman, and it seems to me that that opens the door on the possibility, even in the Shema, that God might be a complex unity, mm-hmm. and so and so, which is fully developed later in parts of the Old Testament, but especially in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, a Jewish person who's listening, who's not a, a believer, would wouldn't say no, no, that that's that, there's no way that you can do that. Right, well, Michael? actually, I, I I have a cousin, a dear cousin from Israel, who many, many moons ago was visiting us in America, and I was preparing some lessons uh, for a class I was teaching, and I looked at her and I said, could you explain to me the difference between the word echad, that Michael just said, one, and the word yachid, which also means one? And she says, well, yachid means like your exclusive one, ex- isolated one, like when God tells Abraham, take your son, your only son. And then she says, and the word echad is uh, sort of like a, a grouped one. It's it's <laughs> like she didn't know the word complex. And and then she mentioned Genesis two twenty four that the basar echad that that uh, the man and woman become one flesh. And I said, oh, so why do you think that the Shema, which says Deuteronomy, you know, the hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Why why is it that the great medieval interpreter uh, Rambam changed that to Yahid when he gave his articles of faith. And she just looked at me and she said, oh, I see where you're coming from. <laughs> and she and she all of a sudden started laughing because she does not believe. And she, right. she, so that to me, I think if a person understands Hebrew, they understand that there is this composite unity possible in the Shema. But she didn't walk out the door and come back the next day, right? She stayed. No, she stayed. She was staying at our house. She's still one of my dearest friends, uh, uh, and you know, she's one of our few relatives that survived. Her family survived the Holocaust as yeah. well. Wow! So. Great question. That was complex, but I'm glad we had the opportunity to ask that of the two Michaels. There are more questions straight ahead. See the kind of fun we can have when we read the Bible together and we ask questions together and have this conversation. We'll continue with the two Michaels, 877-548-3675. More straight ahead. Our remaining moments with the two Michaels here at the back fence from an email. Should communion be offered to non-Christians? Yesterday, I heard a pastor say, all are welcome at the Lord's table. You don't even have to be a Christian to come. What will the Michaels say about this? Real quickly, uh, Mike V., what do you think? 
Uh, it seems to be for Christians alone and Christians actually who have examined themselves, especially in the context of 1 Corinthians 11, uh, if, if they've been abusive or harmful to other members of the body of Christ, they would be partaking in an unworthy fashion. And it seems to me no matter what, an unbeliever could not partake in a worthy fashion. Yeah. Deborah says... Wait, wait. I, I, yeah, yeah. Just, I, I want to say this one thing. I, I once said, if you don't believe, don't take uh, the Lord's Supper with us now. And that my friend uh, Larry says, Michael, why would you do that? And I said, because it's it's t- table of fellowship for believers. He said, listen, John 3 says they're already on the condemnation. Can't get worse. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's see, that's a good question. What if I'm, you know, what, I'm a Christian now, but when I wasn't one, I went ahead and took communion because yeah. I was afraid that people would see me and then, you yeah. know, or whatever. It, and it I can't, took communion. You can't make it worse. Was okay. Was well, there anything? Well, go ahead. I mean, there, it, it can't make it worse from the standpoint of eternal condemnation. That's right. The problem is, is that the Christians who were partaking in an unworthy fashion had temporal results, tem- yeah. negative temporal results. They were yeah, weak some of them and sick, were and some of them, yeah. some of right. them had died. And so um, it, it, in terms of eternity, yeah, it won't get any worse, but in terms of the possibility that they might actually have um, God um, inflict, uh, afflict them with some weakness or illness because they've partaken in an unworthy fashion, that's a real possibility, it seems to me. Yeah, yeah. so... Okay, so Deborah asks, meditating last evening on Luke chapters 1 and 2, and I thought, what did Dr. Redelnik think the first time he understood all of these promises came true in Christ Jesus? For us Gentiles, we grew up with the Christmas story our whole lives, but it must have been incredible to a Jewish person to have read those scriptures for the first time. Well, that's actually the very first New Testament text I ever heard as, I think, a seven-year-old when the Charlie Brown special came uh-huh. on and I watched it and I watched that and I was like, well, that's pretty intriguing. Uh, but I was, I, I will go back to December, 1972 in my mind. It was the very first time I ever celebrated the birth of the Messiah. Mm. And I, I felt a little bit, and I never was Scrooge-like. I, I could still say Merry Christmas to people before I came to the Lord. I wasn't a Scrooge. Uh, but I didn't believe. Uh, I just liked the spirit of the season. But that season, I mean, I went out caroling. <laughs> I, I, I gave everyone I knew a present. Uh, I just was so, so excited about this birth. And and it was that reading that text. And one of the things that struck me was he was circumcised. You read Luke two. Mm-hmm. He had his redemption of the firstborn, pigeon Ben. And uh, he. This is a very Jewish story. I thought uh, it wasn't just the Mendelssohn song, "Hark the Herald Angels Sing." Born is the King of Israel, right? Mm-hmm. I think that, or is that the first Noel? I don't remember. But nevertheless, uh, yeah, first Noel. But. The, the New Testament, it, this is the, the the glory of his people Israel and the, and the light to the Gentiles. Uh, it is a very Jewish story, and, and that's how I felt when I read it, and it made me very happy. The only other time I, I really distinctly remember grasping 
the the amazing miracle of the incarnation was when my son was born, my firstborn, and I was holding him in my arms. He was about two months old, and we were celebrating the birth of the Messiah. And as I held him in my arms, I thought, God could become a baby like this? Mm-hmm. Oh, that was just beyond belief. It Which takes amazing. me to Philippians 2, yeah. you know, the, and the former question about, is he, is he really God? You know, d- did not grasp equality with God, but became a servant. So uh, I'm glad you asked that question. Frank's in Mississippi. Frank, why did you call today? Uh, Actually, you guys actually just answered the question. Um, When I'm more or less telling people about what I believe, I can't quote scriptures like you all do, but it has just been revealed to me through the Holy Spirit, no doubt in my mind, that you all are studying. You're not just reading every now and then. And I'm at a pattern where, like when I get up in the morning, I don't thank God like I should early in the morning. But somewhere through the day, he'll reveal to me something. For instance, you know, real scientists are talking about when the earth was parted, and called the continents to divide. So I was studying in Genesis, and it tells you that God divided the lands. So with that said, you all have answered my question, and I really appreciate listening to all three of you. You all have been a inspiration for me over the years. I don't agree with a lot because I'm still growing, but I'm still listening. Oh, Frank, that is that makes my year. You just made our whole year. That's great. I that love is great. It. And Frank, keep reading the Bible, man. Like you said, just keep reading the Bible. So yeah. important. Yeah. And that you can't remember the the verses like and I I feel I hear these two guys and it's like I can't do it either. You know, I've got I've got different phrases and different verses that are there. But I, I can't answer the same question. But that, that's okay. You don't have to answer every question in the world. But the question is, are you inquisitive enough to know more? And is the, is the person of, of Jesus, is he worth getting to know? And if the Bible is God's Word, then, you know, and you, and you may say, no, I don't think it really is. It has a lot of holy books. Okay, well, start reading it and see if you notice a difference. Right, Michael? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I th- listen. I think I don't memorize scripture. I should, but I don't. What I do is I read it and I read it and I read it and I find that it, at least it kind of sticks. So uh, the the main thing to do is I think to read it, uh, and I, I want to be like my dear friend Ruth Wardell, who went to be with the Lord, who even in her eighties was memorizing whole chapters and books of the Bible. Boy, mm-hmm. that would be great. So. I didn't mention this. Let me. Let me share a story. My good, my good farmer friend Dennis Brown lives in, outside of Waco, Nebraska. Had a great analogy. He said, "You know, was, it, when, when if a person reads the Bible and they don't remember it, it's kind of like taking a wicker basket that's loosely woven and putting it in water and then pulling it up. You might not retain a whole lot of water." but you're going to have a clean basket. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah. You're also going to drip a little bit too, yeah. you know, yeah, it, probably. It, it'll leak, it'll leak around. No, that's good. I like that. Um, I haven't mentioned this yet and I just want to bring it up. Today is the 68th anniversary 
of the event that I think changed the modern missions movement, because today Nate and Ed and Peter and Roger and Jim oh. were killed by the people who were trying. Oh, wow. They were trying to reach for the gospel. Yeah, and it was their sacrifice that God used to bring a lot in that Waodani tribe to Himself, and it motivated others to reach others with the gospel. And you would say, I've heard people say to me through the years when someone is is killed overseas who died. Oh, what a waste, you know, what, what a waste for these five men. And I understand that, but they felt that what we're talking about here today, or the Bible that we're talking about, is important enough not only to go a long way to tell other people about, but also to give their lives for. How much do you and I value it? Uh, Mike V. responded to that. Well, yeah, I mean, I I have to be honest with you. I would hope that if I were in the position of um, those five men, that I would have not fired my thirty out six, which I had on hand and was loaded, um, and that I would be willing to die for for them and for the cause of Christ. You know, I'm not sure that I would be bold enough to do so, but I would hope that I would. Yeah. But those men had amazing courage. Michael, I would just love to say they gave their lives for the word of God. Boy, should I be faithful reading it? I mean, yes, yeah. that's something I would really like to remind myself. Just read it. That's yeah. a good place to start, don't you think? And not, and that's not a a guilt or a shame. Shame on you for not reading when they went. It's like no, that's a motivation. It's like mm-hmm. they really believe that. How much do I believe? How much do I know? And then can follow out in my life. Uh, it's a real challenge and it's a real motivation. So. Michael, Michael, thank you. Mike uh, Radelnik, I'm so glad that your health is better now. Thank you. Do you think you'll be able to come back in February? I am planning on it. Yay! Yay. You too, Mike V? Um, Lord Jesus, please. Yes. Lord willing, we'll be back. Lord willing. I am going to enjoy it, and uh, it has been great to have you two on. And if you go to our Facebook page, you can respond to anything that we've talked about here today uh, or ask another question for a future program. You can also go to chrisfabrylive.org and support us. I mentioned Dr. Bill Thrasher's book a little earlier. If you're struggling in your prayer life, I'd love to send you How to Resurrect a Dead Prayer Life. Just uh, go to chrisfabrylive.org or call 866-95-FABRY, and you can find out right there. Tomorrow, if clutter is clobbering your life, Dana is back, and we're going to talk about it right here at the Radio Backyard Fence. And remember, Chris Fabry Live is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. Moody Bible Institute.